and welcome to Robot Dice Explosion. I'm Ben. I'm Ollie. This is going to be our rambling one. Yeah, well, 2019 in review. Uh, what better thing to do when you're almost at the end of January than talk about what you got up to in uh, the previous year? Unlike most podcasts who tend to put it out in December. Yeah, uh, we're going to do we, it didn't, now. we didn't put out anything in December. Did we not? Oh, we might have done, actually. <laughs> we might not have recorded it in December. No, we, did, we didn't record it in December. So the way this is essentially going to work, we're not going to limit it to uh, tabletop games. Uh, it would be quite a short podcast if we did, because I don't think we played that many different games. I don't think we do short podcasts, but uh, yeah. Well, that's just true. <laughs> so I mean, I've, got, I've got a big list of things here. So um, I'm going to quickly talk about some books, I think, just because that's the order in which I've written this list of stuff. Yeah, books are good. So Do you, do you cut them in half? To transport them better. Books? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Did you not see this? No. There was, a, there was a guy on Twitter who was like, so I cut books in half to so they're easily transportable. Am I the only one who does this? When's the lynching? <laughs> they're selling tickets? It was weird. Buy Kindle. Yeah. God damn. Or, like, or audiobooks. So when we went to Japan for our honeymoon, we um we so I had I'd left like a, a rough guide to Japan, what no, Lonely Planet, something like yeah, that. Yeah. I'd left it out in the garden uh in the summer and we had like some freak rain, so it basically ruined it as a book. Yeah. So what I ended up doing is going through and cutting out the sections which I was then going to uh, which referred to the places we were yeah. going on, okay, on that, the honeymoon that makes sense actually worked really well except for that time when I left half of them on one of the planes <laughs> the, not my best moment thankfully internet um, yeah but anyway no I do not cut books in half god damn man um, <laughs> so essentially in, in order I guess uh, for me like I'm just going to briefly give an honourable mention to uh, the Northern Light Subtle Knife and Amber Spyglass trilogy yeah uh, I read those when they came out, so in my early to late teens. Yeah, and uh, they're pretty good books. gets uh, gets real wacky towards the 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 oh, end of that. I, I crashed out when it started to get very esoteric. Yeah, I'm going to leave spoilers out of this. Yeah, because I think if you are interested and you they've got the TV show going yeah. on at the moment, and honestly, the film was garbage. I have issues with the TV series. Uh, but it's a pretty good adaptation of uh, the book, and you know we're not going to get another one. So, if if people have been watching that on BBC or oh, I don't know, it's uh, it is in America. I just can't remember what network it's on. It might be HBO or something. Uh, yeah, I'm not if, sure. If, if they're enjoying the series, I do recommend uh, reading the books. Uh, yeah, one of the things that bugged me in the series was like they've obviously only got so much budget for having the demons yeah. on screen. But it's really noticeable that most of the people in the background do not have a demon. And you think, okay, you haven't got the CG budget. Can you not have just... Give, like most of the people in give them a cuddly toy. <laughs> I wasn't going to go that far. But <laughs> most of the people in the background are servants a lot of the yeah. time. Which canonically have dogs. Yeah. So maybe have a couple of dogs. Yeah. But they don't. And that, that feels weird. Um so yeah, but I, I, but maybe at some point we'll do a little spoiler cast about that. But I don't think you're interested enough. Maybe I'll bring my wife in and we can have a rant because she read the books 
just before the TV show came out. Yeah. In fact, some parts of book two were spoiled for her by the first but season the, yeah. of the TV show. So maybe, maybe we'll have a I spin-off mean, episode. We, we, we <clears throat> intend to watch it, but it's there's quite a lot of series we intend to watch and we're quite bad at following through and actually finishing seasons. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, it's I, it's it's real good. It's, it is it is worth watching. We're, uh, we're currently so many things which are. So. We're currently watching The Witcher. Yeah, and we're halfway through, and we started like early December. <laughs> I'm weirdly disinterested in The Witcher. I, I don't know why. I'm interested in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I understand, that the series is quite divisive. Like some people are like, "Well, it's not Game of Thrones budget," and other people are like, are "They actually like that. They like the almost." Uh, Hercules or Xena warrior princess the, the, budget approach. Um, the, I mean, the scope and the setting and the feel are very different anyway. Mm. Um, because The Witcher is much more... I mean, it's it's all about Geralt. Yeah. Um, and destiny is a huge thing. Yeah. Which it just isn't in Game of Thrones. No, but I, th- I mean, I'm more meaning like the budget and uh, yeah. like, you know, the writing and things like that. Um, but I mean, they've got Cavill to to do it and I, mm. I understand that he basically he's doing it because he likes the witcher yeah he likes well, this is stuff. it's cool um, the internet's covered with things where like you won't believe that henry cavill is a is a video game player he's he, just like us yeah um uh, the one problem i find with the tv series yeah um they do a lot of not time travel but different time periods i've heard this criticism and they absolutely do not tell you that's happening yeah. You just have to work it out for they yourself. You don't go like, hmm, 20 years earlier. Yeah. Nope, nope, there's none of that. That is weird, isn't it? Um, it's really strange. There is no time dating on <clears throat> any scene or any episode at all. So unless you pick up on it on your own, you might be quite confused. Yeah. And you start uh, doing it, I think, in episode two. <laughs> I, I think we... I'm not going to say we. I might get around to watching that at some point. Mm. I've got an, I've got Expanse season four to watch. Yeah. If I if I watched that last year, I think it dropped late last year. That would have been on my list of stuff yeah. to talk about because I know I'm going to love it. Um, but it's not. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's other stuff. Uh, so anyway, um, so uh, back to books. Another honourable mention is the Long Earth series, which was yes. uh, a collaboration between. Terry Pratchett and oh my god, Stephen Baxter. Yes, I see Baxter. Stephen Baxter. Um, Those are good. They're okay, so they're strange. Yes. So the 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 basis of the Long Earth refers to essentially uh, the the pearl necklace it's, of it's, parallel worlds. It's, it's it's a multiverse setting, effectively. Yeah. Uh, and I won't go through the the names of the six, no five books in the series because actually they kind of spoil um, some stuff. But what I would say is these are books, certainly the first one, without plot. Kind of. I don't think there's an overarching plot. Certainly in book one. In book one, they just sort of go on a journey. Things happen. Yeah. There's no there's no hero's journey. There's no there's, no. There's, there's a tiny bit of character development. They do have arcs. Yeah. But it's not. It's more of a, we have a cool idea, let's play around with that. Yeah, and I read some of the notes um, on it, and it, it was essentially that these two authors were at a dinner party, and they got talking, mm. and Terry Pratchett had the ideas, like the, the, the germ of this idea, yeah. several years before, and it just never really got round to it. 
and the two of them then collaborated yeah. because Baxter had done a load of sci-fi. Uh, they they collaborated on it, and what I found was like it was almost like a a pure sci-fi experience in like the old school idea of sci-fi. Like let's mm. take an idea and expand on it, yeah. but use it as a mirror to our current yes. society and what yes. we're doing, but almost without plot. Like the, the, it does develop plot lines later. Yeah, I was going to say plot plot appears later, but you're yeah. you're right. The first book is just like you're reading it, and you're, it's like it's enjoyable and it's interesting, yeah. but nothing sort of happens. Yeah, it's an interesting exploration of ideas. So I think some people might bounce off the first book quite easily. Yeah, uh, certainly my uh, one of my cousins. I don't know if they're second cousins or twice removed Someone. or any of that, but uh, my cousin's son he bounced off it. I can um, see that. But uh, there's there's five books, and I've never done this before, but I read all five of them in a row. Mm. I pretty much would be, it'd be like 11.30 at night, I'd be in bed, I'd finish the, you know, one book, I'd put it down, I'd get the next book out and read the first chapter. Yeah. So I found it compelling. I found it yeah. very uh, easy just to keep going on those. Um, so they're good fun. Uh, so the book that I really want to talk about... <coughs> is a book called Seven Eves. Yes. Now, I read this on the Kindle. I think it's actually quite a big book, and I didn't realise because it was on the Kindle, all I had was a percentage I'm, count. I'm listening to it as an audiobook. Yeah. And I, I sometimes <coughs> feel find big books uh, intimidating these days. When that's, why, that's why you cut them in half. <laughs> so when I was younger, you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred page book, that was fine. Yeah. As a teenager, because I just read a lot and I didn't really have other things to handle. But now I've got like this this sounds familiar. A business, uh, you know, a, a wife kid. who does like to have some of my company at some point <laughs> and a kid to think about as well. So I find it hard to commit to large books. And I think Seven E's probably is quite a big book, but I didn't realise because it was on Kindle. Yeah. And so there's only so much we can talk about about it because yeah. it has a probably two thirds in a massive thing that happens narratively. So I would like to say that the blurb on Audible tells you what that is. That's infuriating to me. Um, it's a massive thing that we can't talk about. Yeah. Uh, yes, I I know that some other people went into reading this book knowing that that uh, thing happens. Mm. Uh, and they enjoyed the book just fine. Yeah. Uh, I went in not knowing that it uh, happened. And it is such a shift when it does happen that it almost derailed me from the book. I was loving the book. Mm. This thing happened. And I was I found it so jarring that I didn't pick the book up for a few nights. Well, it's almost a different book. Yeah. But then I got into it. But it is a very... It's not just a different story. Mm. And it is... You know, it's, it, it's obviously the same part, part of the same grand story, but it it feels like a different type of book. Yeah. As if you had put down like a crime thriller and then picked up a fantasy epic or something. Yeah, that's like reasonably fair description. Not necessarily those genres, but oh no, or necessarily even that in, in that order. But it, it, I found it really jarring. Um, but the premise of the book is essentially. Pretty much on the first, well, it is the first line. It's literally, the moon blows up. Yeah, the moon, the moon explodes. You don't know why, and it. Sh- it no uh, one is actually that bothered about why. That's not what the book's about. No, well, people sort of, you know, uh, so, understandably freaked out by this moon breaking into seven pieces, 
And everyone's like, oh, okay, well, that's happened. Well, I guess we carry on about our daily lives. And you've got this one physicist who's essentially... It's not like Bill Nye, the science guy, but more... Um, who's the guy who did Cosmos recently, the new Cosmos? Oh, I don't know. Oh. But, yeah, no, if, if, anyway. effectively, do you work out that, oh, in... Well, he sees one of the seven lumps break up, hit in, into another lump, which then broke in two, mm. and yeah, runs the math, and and then they work out that oh, we only have just over two years before uh, the Earth is going to become in, uninhabitable due to meteor rains. Yeah, so it's an it's an exponential reaction. Mm. Um, I can't remember the actual name for it. Uh, chain reaction. There, there is a there's a name, but anyway, yes. so. At two around around two years from from this date, the rocks will have all broken up into small enough pieces that they'll be getting just this rain of meteorites, uh, which will warm the planet and to the fire point the atmosphere. Where basically uh, humans will no longer be able to survive. We've got a guest in a cat who's obsessed with my hair bands. She loves hair bands. Well, I better put my hair up then. Um, or elastics or anything like that. She. You, Anyway, um, yeah, so the, 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 the premise is that, that uh, basically humanity's going to be wiped off the earth in two years' time. Uh, what are you going to do? So uh, they sort of band together and like, we need to... Uh, build a space arc. We need to build a lot of stuff onto the ISS and, yes, turn it into a space arc. And if anyone has read The Martian, which I would highly recommend, it, it feels a bit like the, the moment-to-moment problem-solving of The Martian... Yeah, I can see that. But less, it's more at a macro scale, more at a, the organisation of the yes. ISS scale. Uh, and I found that really interesting. It starts off very logistical, uh, some social stuff, and then later on becomes, uh, like you get some political stuff working into it as well. And of course there's psychology going on. I, through. I, I have some issues with some of the things, but I think any time you have to deal with stuff on Earth, it sort of doesn't work. Yeah, how far have you got? Did you finish it? No, I haven't finished it yet. I'm okay. about halfway through. Okay, so the, the, the change hasn't ha- happened. It hasn't happened yet. Okay, right. So, yeah, right. I, I don't think I want to actually talk about it too much more. No. Uh, it's, got, it's got some real wacky things that they attempt to do, uh, and it's not afraid to have things go wrong. So I, I found it mm. a real page-turner, um, um, to use the phrase. So I'm listening to the audiobook. Mm. It's okay. So my wife's just got an Audible subscription, and they have different ways of doing things. So the first book she read was, uh, well, the first three books she read were The Northern Lights, The Southern Light, and yeah. The Amber Spyglass. Uh, sorry, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they are all fully voiced. They have a full cast, and yeah. it's narrated by uh, Paul Pullman yeah. himself. She's now listening to the... That's, first... in my experience, fairly unusual. Yeah, she's now listening to the first uh, prequel book, the um, the first... Book of Dust. Yeah. And uh, that is all narrated uh, by the guy who played the angel in Good Omens, I think. Oh. Him. Yes. Uh, and he does all the John voices. Sheen. Yes. And he, he puts on the voices yeah. as well. Uh, so I guess that's... Is that, that the way that, this that, is done as well? Yes. It's it's all one narrator. Who's okay? Okay. Um, but it's it's also things like so you know he has his own dating system where he like dates it from when the yes. event happens. That does not work in an audio format because it just sure. becomes a random string of numbers that you're then supposed to work out when is this taking place now. Yeah. So the the dating 
they basically go, okay, since the, uh, the I think they called it the agent, whatever yes. caused the moon to explode, they refer to as yeah. the agent. And so it's essentially like... It's a, it's a count up from then. Yeah, it's well, like that, a D-Day thing. But that doesn't work very well when it's just an audio format. Yeah, it just reels off that. a bunch of numbers and you're like, you just gave me a bunch of numbers. I yeah. don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really interested to talk to you about it when you finish the whole book. And maybe we'll do a little spoiler cast yeah. about it. What I will say is I came across this book because I listened to a podcast called Still Untitled with Adam Savage. It's by the Tested.com website. Yeah. Um, and they did a spoiler cast over two episodes about Seven Eves. And I think the first part of the spoiler cast starts at like at the second half of one of the podcast episodes. Mm-hmm. And I stopped it. And it must be like two years ago that I stopped that episode. I was yeah. like, I am going to read that book one day. Yeah. And I came back to it. So they obviously had sold that book to me by uh, talking about how excited they were yeah. to, to read it. Uh, so if anyone has read it, I would go and uh, check out a podcast because they, uh, they talk, about talk about some about, yeah. stuff uh, on that. Um, yeah, I'm going to leave that there, I mm. think, because uh, I don't want to no, no, ruin anything. It's definitely interesting. It's a really interesting premise. And the setup is very cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly, because I hadn't read any of the liner notes or anything like that, mm. I started off thinking, "Oh, the uh, the moon explodes." Well, this is going to be an interesting thing of like, you know, how does humanity deal with that concept? Not the oh, humanity's going to die; they've got to do shit. Yeah. I was like, oh, I wonder if this is going to be like slowly, like yeah, oh, no, you know. no, 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 it's not. Uh, it is not. No, uh, they 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 get a move on. Yes, like as I said, like I have I have issues with some of the politicking on Earth because mm. that to me just does not feel like anything like that. No, that doesn't work for me. But it's sort of peripheral. Yeah, it 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 sets things in motions, but then you can sort of ignore it a bit. Yeah, yeah. So it's we'll okay. talk off mic about that. I think, and um, mm. yeah, because I think I know what you're going to say, but uh, yeah. So there's that. Uh, right. Shall we move on to tabletop stuff? Yes. Um, would you like to talk about Adeptus Titanicus? Yes. It's a Games Workshop game I like. There's not that many of them anymore. I I agree. Like I, I, I still love the, the background, however stilted it is, and the look of 40k, and especially like the 30k, the like... The biblical aspect of 40k. I love all that stuff. I love how how the the dumb gothic look of everything. Yes, but I don't. I mean, this is coming from someone who pays a good portion of his mortgage through selling shoulder pads for Space Marines. I don't really enjoy playing the games anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like. I I've played it a lot. Yeah, both that and fantasy. Yeah. Played it a lot for many many years, and I sort of don't want to. Um, so I I don't actually necessarily think there's anything wrong with the games. They're just not the games I want to play anymore. I think things like 40k and Age of Sigma. And I mean, obviously, this is a very expansive topic. But the reason why I don't really play them is because I t- play too many games and there's too much e- extra stuff layered on. Yeah, I find it a chore to write a 40k army list because you want, pardon me, you want to be 
maximizing your command points. Oh, that, or that, there's it is. too many things to think about to, to just like, I will write up something for my one game a year. Yeah, no, I don't <laughs> yeah. want to, I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. So I, I mean, I can't speak authoritatively about the game and the scene no. because I'm not a part of it. But yes, yeah, so what is it that Adeptus Titanicus does right for you? Um, so there's a couple of things. One is, I think, a slight problem as well. There's not very many models. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, fundamentally, there are three different Titans and then a bunch of Knights. Mm-hmm. Um, You've got like, what, three or four different types of Knights. Four, now. I think, now. Yeah. But, um, so, I mean, in that sense, it's quite simple. Um, although I think that will increasingly become a problem because it can potentially be a bit samey. Yeah. Um, all the variation is in the weaponry really, yeah. and stuff. Um, but fundamentally, the mechanics of it just works really well. Hmm. Like It allows you to play with a sizable number of big stompy robots on a table. It looks really cool and it plays quite fast. Yeah. But, and it's... <clears throat> the detail level is pitched where... Specific decisions with each Titan is important, mm. and you track heat and stuff, and, and it matters, and there's some micromanagement of each Titan, but it's kept at a level where it's fast and easy to do. Yeah, so I I think it was Adeptus Titanicus, which had the Imperator Titan and the two Mega Gargans. Mega Gargans. Yes. It wasn't Titan Legions, which was the Warlords on Warlords, yes. game, I think. I could always get those two mixed up. Yes. So the one with the with the Imperator Titan versus the two Mega Gargans. Yeah. That had those that's massive the, effectively sheets. the second edition, I think, because that's sure. when the whole thing is joined and it, the game is integrated and it has infantry and stuff as well. It just didn't come in the box, but you could run infantry along with those. Uh, maybe you could. I. I don't oh, you definitely you... could because I, I was playing in that, okay. that period. I don't so think I you generally could. did very often because the, the Imperator uh, had this massive sheet. It must have been almost A3 where you had a load of tokens on it. And stuff. Yeah, yeah so, you, were, you were moving plasma counters around because you only yeah. had so much power. So it seems like this edition has taken that sort of concept, changed it so that if someone sneezes, it doesn't ruin the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but kept the idea of managing those resources yeah. with a few more models. Yeah. I, I mean, it looks cool. I've, I've had I've had all my stuff since pretty much release and I just haven't finished putting it together. Yeah. Uh, maybe on the list for this year. You're, you're a bit daunting to paint, especially when you get to the Warlord. Yeah, well, actually... It, the takes, reason, a, it takes a long time. I put mine off because I wanted to do custom decals. Mm-hmm. So I now have the equipment to start doing custom decals. <laughs> definitely the reason to get it. So it's definitely going to be like another six months, and then I might start doing it. Uh, but anyway, um, okay. So yeah, no, it's it's just quite good fun and allows me to play fast with a sizable number of big robots. Yeah, because I've also played some BattleTech, and that's not fast. Yeah, and I mean it's like a twenty-five-year-old rule set, isn't it? It's Effectively, yeah. um, which means that you play with like three models aside. Because it takes too long to play with more. Yeah, which of course doesn't really line up with how it's meant to be in terms of like background and stuff. No, certainly. I think in the video game you often had like only three mechs or maybe six sometimes. Probably four. Oh, okay. I haven't played it. I've well, just seen video. <coughs> well, the the basic military structure in the inner sphere is four, and for the clans it's five. Hmm. So probably that, but even that is a little too long. Yeah. For the miniature game, I find. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, it's been enjoyable. I just quite like them to um, bring out some Elder Titans. That would be great. 
That's, I think, so you're talking about maybe they're going to butt up against some limitations when it comes to expanding it. I think you're absolutely right if they stay within, we're just doing Titans and Knights, Imperial. The, the, the first easy win is uh, chaos, chaos Upgrades. Yeah, you can just release a sprue. Yeah. Uh, I imagine I mean, maybe it'll be uh, resin pit parts and stuff like yeah. that. Whatever. I mean, Forge World is doing additional weapons and stuff. Mm. Yeah. So I think that's probably the first way that it expands. And of course, it may have done. I haven't looked at the, the, the store for a while. Nope. But Not then yet. I think the next thing maybe is Elder, which I think is a hard thing for them to move into. Um, it's it's a big investment. Yeah, and it's it's a Horus Heresy focus, isn't it? With uh, the yes, so with they, the marketing anyway. So there, there's story missions and things in the books out mm. are said in the heresy. Mm. Um, but there's nothing in the rules that makes it heresy only. Oh, you, no, no, sure. You could just release a campaign book set at any given time you'd like. We well, see. I wonder if. If they stick with the heresy, maybe they don't bring Elder in at all, which would be a real shame, but maybe they start bringing in maybe some tanks, maybe some infantry, I mean, did, and sort of start edging towards Epic. They did release uh, Aeronautica Imperialis, yeah. where the new planes are to the same scale as Adeptus Titanicus. Yeah. So in theory, later on, you can bring in our power. Yeah. I, I would actually quite like to see it going that way. I'd like to see them maybe use infantry more as just sort of objective holding things much more abstract that, than so interestingly enough there is actually uh, sort of token things, a, a, an infantry thing in there already yeah you can have a special card that basically gives you titan hunting infantry yeah that's what it calls it it's literally a token you put in a building <coughs> or something yeah, yeah it, it's, it's tokens that pull up in terrain they can shoot at titans yeah um, I think there are ways they can go with it but I, yeah I <laughs> I just I don't think, see them bringing out other races. No, I just think Elder Titans at that scale would look amazing. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and Orc Titans. I'd mm-hmm. love to, and especially because these kits are beautiful. They're yes. really lovely. Yes, they're very nice. An Orc kit where there's some modularity of the armor plates that you can put on, so you just have effectively an infinite variety. And I'd actually say Orc are more likely than Elder because you've got Orc plates. Yes. You got all planes yeah. in aeronautics. Although supposedly there's plans for Elder to come at some point. Yeah, I'm sure there are. I mean, some of this also depends on how much you're selling of stuff. Is yeah. it worth doing something? And maybe that's part of the worry that you might have around it is that how much is someone going to buy? Yeah. Because you're probably only going to run one or two warlords. If you're running two warlords, you're not going to be running many other things, like not lots of other yeah. things. I know James has bought about three different legions or something. Yeah. Like two legions and a night house, but... Yeah, with, with quite a lot of titans for each. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I only I have one warlord. Hmm. Um, I only bought one. In theory, I quite like another one. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, who knows? What I would really like is for uh, Tarot Model Maker. He's a guy who makes upgrades for knights a lot he does other stuff but mm. the thing that he's known for is making upgrades for 40k knights yeah and a lot of it's uh, done digitally now yeah like he, he he's very skilled um by hand as well but what i really have been hoping for aid is that he would produce his 40k sized stuff yeah for uh adeptus titanicus yeah. he hasn't yet but i i live in hope 
maybe when I see him at Salute, I'll uh, probably the kid go like you should do this. Yeah, uh, people should check out uh, Tarot Model Maker if they uh, if they like knights in forty k. Mm. So, but yeah, no, it's um, <clears throat> it's a game I've enjoyed. Cool. Yeah, I will get back to it, uh, which is my mantra. That's a lot on our to do lists. Speaking of getting back to it, uh, the game that we get back to once or twice a year, Rotha Kings. We've, mm-hmm. we've done a podcast episode about... Yeah. Well, we did a podcast episode about dead games. Yeah, uh, so which people, was mostly about that. Yeah, people should go back and, and have a listen to that uh, anyway, because I think it's an interesting topic. Rotha Kings is a game which... Has officially been orphaned now. Yes, they sold off basically all the uh, stock and... Yeah, I mean, he sort of officially admitted that no, we're not doing more with this. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing, the real clear nail in the coffin recently was a guy opened some of his Kickstarter stuff like a month ago, mm-hmm. which is more than six years after it was funded on yeah. uh, Kickstarter, I think. And he was missing a component, yeah. and he contacted them, and they said that they were unable to replace it. Yeah, so that's where the game is. Uh, but I really enjoy it. I like the static meta. We talked more about this in yeah. in that episode. And this it's, game, it's, it's a good system. It's a good system. It's different. It sort of has a level of simplicity on the face of it, which becomes quite complex with some of the interactions. There's but, some wordiness to some of the yeah, words yeah, yeah, yeah. on the cards. But, but it's, it's fundamentally reasonably easy to use. Yeah. I, I really enjoy the game system. So... We play that once or twice a year, so the static system, the static meta it's, is it's really yeah. Yeah, nice for that. Um, I've also done a bunch of painting of that game this year, uh, so sort of easing my way back into painting after yeah, having my son. It's, it's on, that, that is on my to-do list, but I have some games that have jumped it. So, yeah. I have a, so it's own game that I could really say is like my bulk infantry game, and it's not really compared to a lot of things, but you mm. may have... Uh, 12 models. Yeah, in no, a, it's, in it's a definitely the game unit. I play these days with the biggest units. Yeah. We, I mean, calling them units obviously is somewhat inaccurate, but it'll do. Um, so I've, I've painted like, uh, what's it, 14 infantry, a character, and a big dragon monster mm. this last year uh, for that. Uh, and I only play that game fully painted. Yeah. I think I played two games before I started painting it, and I was like, nope. I'm playing this fully painted. So I have very strict rules on the painting, which is no more than three steps per colour. Yeah. And it generally works out for me. I think I went a little bit beyond that on a on the big uh, dragon, the Fulung Devourer. Yeah. Because Yeah, it's a big centerpiece. It's a big model. Yeah. It's not I, just I need to I need to paint my second one. Because two of them will be hilarious. Yeah. I've only got one and I'm only ever gonna have one, it looks like now. I, I could buy. There is a store in the states, but I'm, yeah. I just I don't think it's, I want to. It's not really worth it. There's enough op- enough options without worrying about duplicates of yeah. stuff like that. That's the only thing I really duplicated because I was like, "Well, it's so cool." Yeah, there is a there's a there's a topic that maybe we'll talk about in the future, which is connected with this. Uh, whilst painting the unit that I painted this last year, yeah, uh, the Iron Lotus Warriors. Um, they're all women. They're mostly armed with whips, and they're all wearing like skimpy dresses, dinner dresses, like revealing dinner yeah. dresses. Uh, okay, and their two characters who are leading them have basically like mini skirts, and then their boobs are held in place with belts. And yeah, I, I know when you first looked at the game, you almost bounced off it because no, I, I did initially. I looked at it and was like, oh, this this might be oh. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure I want to buy into this. 
Um, so it was, which is why I only picked it up much later. Yeah, I mean these these two characters, I actually ended up uh, sculpting dresses over them, so yeah. that they're are actually clothes. Yeah, and I get his fantasy and stuff like that. You know, there is there is a limit, and people's limits for this stuff is in different places. Like I don't like boob armor. I'd actually rather see a character in a dress going to battle than in boob armor going to battle. Uh, because you know you you could wear a shirt going to battle. Okay, I mean a dress yeah. is a bit weird because you're going to trip, but you know people yeah. wore kilts. I mean these dresses are long, but there is a depiction of women thing going on in this game, which some of them do wear armor and stuff. But you tend to. It wasn't until I was working on these that I noticed units are essentially divided. Like if they are female, yeah. they are a separate unit. Yes, you do have units of apparent males being led by female, female characters. Yes. And you don't have units of females being led, by, led male by male characters. So that, but but it still feels weird that yeah. they, they have gone. Oh, if you are a woman, this is what you train, and if you're a man, man, this is what you train in. Now that works for one or two factions, but across the entire game, it seems yeah. that division is in place. It's sort of the the same problem, like the old uh, House Escher and Goliath type thing. Yeah. Yeah, where which in Necromunda they've sort of rebalanced it a bit. Like Van Saar, you get a couple of women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think in this game the werewolf faction, uh, the yeah. Gritzi, I think yeah. you have mixed werewolves. Yes. In in units, I think maybe. I'll have to and I'm not sure about their vampires. But anyway, it's yeah. just one of those things that maybe at some point we'd like to um, we'd like to have a, a, an episode a, a bigger on that. discussion on. The only thing I feel is like, you know, two middle class white guys talking about it. It's one of those things. Like I think yeah. we need to get someone else's point of view on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like the game and I enjoy playing it every now and then. Mm. Um, again, speaking of getting to it, uh, Arena Rex is the other game yes. which we play a couple of times a year. Yeah. I actually, uh, uh, if you refer back to our uh, previous podcast on that, which is not that long ago, uh, I actually did buy all of the things. Yes. So we did a podcast with our friend Paul talking about Arena Rex. And yeah, you were talking about we, what you were going to buy. Do, during it, we were looking at the online store. Yes. Um, Hopefully. And, yeah. Um, which I'm sure was riveting content. Um, but I did actually buy everything. Yes, you went all in, didn't you? Yeah. So, uh, well, everything for A Faction. Yeah, everything for A Faction. Yeah. Um, was it, was it uh, Legio 13. 13? Yeah. So that game is on a similar sort of scale to. Well, smaller than Bushido, actually. Yeah. It's somewhere between Eden and Bushido. So you generally play with anything between like three and maybe eight models, but you both have the same number of models. Have we played with more than six? No, I like six. Six is a good number. I yeah. think eight would start going quite long. Yeah. Three, you can probably, if you're experienced, knock a game out in half hour. Yeah, that's probably about right. Um, six, and I, uh, whilst I have some experience, I am a slow player and I don't play it very often. Yeah. It takes me a few hours, um, like any other game. But it's played on a, essentially a thirty-inch board. But you can play it on, as long as you're twenty-four inches away at the start of the game. It's, it's fine. It's not very prescriptive about how the board is and how you set anything up. Yeah. It's just sort of like here's some suggestions. Do whatever you like. Yeah. So check. I mean, check that episode out about Arena Rex if you like. I, mean, I haven't really talked about fa- the setting. Fa- fantasy gladiatorial combat. Yes. There you go. Uh, beautiful, beautiful models for the most part. I think there are a couple of duds. There's the bear, yeah, the bear and the tiger. I think are pretty um, pretty poor, but uh, a lot of the sculpts are, are really beautiful. Uh, yeah, and if you're looking for a game, which sort of you know you can play with five or six models, 
Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it a very uh, unique activation mechanic in it. Yes. So yeah, check that episode out. That is a good sort of second or third game. Yeah. You don't need that many models, and you don't like the, the rules are simple enough that you don't actually need to play it that often to be able to play it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, talking about it, I want to play it now. Uh, so then let's talk about a board game that uh, you and I just keep coming back to. Yes. Uh, I got an expansion for it for Christmas. And yeah, and it's the first expansion which feels like an expansion for other games. It's the first one I have. There is one, oh, okay. one or two of the others that do that as well, I but I haven't bought those. So the game we're talking about is Terraforming Mars. Love that game. It's just... I love it. It's so... It, it is a game which, when you first look at it, could be intimidating because there's quite a few symbols going on. on it looks very intimidating. Like, our experience with teaching new new people, it is you sit them down and then you talk at them for a while and then you're like, now let's try it and they look at you dazed and then the player turn or two and you go like, oh, it's just like this. Yeah, so essentially... It's a game where your your goal is to terraform Mars. Yeah. And it is competitive, but you don't tend to attack one another. It's not combative. There's a few cards throughout the, the, the game that directly hinders your uh, some of your opponents, but yeah. it's not very common and it's not that much. Yeah. It, it's one of my wife's favourite games, which... Uh, she doesn't really do competitive she games. She doesn't like competitive games, and she doesn't like games which uh, take hours and hours and which are very complex. Yeah. So I, anyone who knows her, I tell them that she likes it when I recommend it, yeah. because then they go, okay, like I know yeah. a little bit more what to expect. It's not like she likes simple things. No, no, no. It's just that she doesn't want to go like, okay, I'll have a half-hour explanation, and then I sort of vaguely know what's happening. Yeah. I mean... Mm. So it has a very good way of introducing players to the game. So normally you play by, you draw, I think, uh, is it two cards two for cards. your corporation? Yeah, so you, you pick you, one. If, effectively, the idea of the game is that you are in charge of corporation and you perform projects and do various things to Mars or build things. And once you're done terraforming Mars, mm-hmm. someone wins. Yeah. So the corporations will give you, describe what, you, what resources you have to start with and give you a special rule. So, there's another type of corporation, which is, I think, it's just called a beginner it's corporation. The, yeah, the beginner corporation. And essentially, uh, oh, what we should say is, after you pick your corporation, you draw ten cards, ten cards, and you may buy the cards you want to keep for three. We, we, yeah, for three, for three money. For, for three money, and each corporation will have a different amount of starting money. Yeah, and so the way, so you can imagine that's difficult for a beginner because you'd look at these 10 cards and then go, Christ, I need to make decisions already. And I have no idea what, what cards I need yeah. or what any of them do. So the way they do it for the beginner corporation is go, draw 10 cards, they're all yours. Yeah. And here's a shit ton of money. Yeah. So you're not too worried about those critical decisions. Your efficiency doesn't matter too you, much. You, you can't mess it up by mm-hmm. picking the wrong cards and you have enough resources to get you started and actually enjoy the game from the beginning. Yeah, and an action in the game is to sell a card for one credit. Yes. Make a credit. And uh, so that means that even if you've got a bunch of, of, of shit, you can just get rid of it anyway and then you'll buy cards next turn. And it's it's a game where you try to build a machine. Yeah. It's a... It's a engine building game yeah 
but you because of you you you, you draw is it how many cards do you draw each turn it's four four and then you have to choose which you're going uh, yeah to buy. then you have to decide which ones you buy and you generate you, money and resources and it's stuff, very but. rare that you start off going oh i'm totally going to do this from your first set of 10 cards you might have an idea of something you'd yeah. like to do but it's gonna evolve over the game you always need to almost always need to like diversify a little bit you might need to sort of push in one direction rather than another you need to sort of evolve your strategy mm. as you go because it the opportunities you're looking for might not present themselves. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I love it. I, we did actually do an episode where we talk about it. I think it's called Terraforming the Cotswolds. It's one yes. of our really early episodes. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, no, I, I got colonies Yeah, so well, the first expansions that, that we played were just another map. Yes. I think it comes with one map. It comes with one map, and then the first expansion they released is literally just another map, which is dual-sided. Yeah, so you can play it. So it's essentially two different ways of playing it. Yeah. Uh, did it come with then? Was there another map after that that came out? No. Just that extra. Then, then you have various expansions that adds other bits and stuff. Yeah, so we played the Colonies expansion the other day, which yes. I think probably is more interesting when you have more people because we played one on one, which is the first time I've done that. Yes, I haven't. I've, this is the first time we've, we've done a two player game, and that was fine, but the Colonies expansion was not well suited for that, I don't think. No. It was okay. Yeah, it, it worked. For both of us, quite well at a couple of points. Uh, I didn't feel at the end of that game that I'd built a machine. No. Both, both of us had respectable scores, but neither of us really felt like we'd built a machine. It was an interesting experience. Yeah, it was weird. But play play this game. Like Go to a, a games cafe and, and, and play it. Uh, it's really good. I'm, I'm trying to think of, if you like this, you'll like that. But I, I uh. my, my knowledge of board games isn't really broad enough anymore. No. No, it's hard to... Yeah. No, anyway, yeah. It's good. Um, yeah I mean that's a bunch of board games I'm trying to think of things that I've played to recommend um, 12 Days of Christmas oh yeah you mentioned this yes right? I think it's 12 Days of Christmas it might just be 12 Days anyway uh, we played it up run up to Christmas it's uh, it's a really interesting card game so you have the um, you have cards um, 1 to 12 de- days and then there's a Number of cards equal to the number. So there's 12 12s. Yes. Um, and effectively the way it works is that you sort of go around and you, <coughs> you you play a card each round. And whoever plays the lowest card wins that day. And you get an equal number of points to the day. Okay. But it, So you, you play them face down. And if anyone plays duplicates, so if I play a 2 and you play a 2, our 2s cancel out. And don't count. Yeah. So you have to put some thought into what you want to play when. Because obviously, oh, I'm going to save my two until we get to 11 or 12. Yeah. But if someone else is doing that too, you might get nothing. Yeah. Um, the other interesting thing is that you also pass, every turn you pass a card to your left. Okay. So you prune your hand, but then you draw another card. So you'll always have 12. Um, and... End of the game, obviously, sounds like low cards are all you need, so you just pass all your high cards away. Mm. But at the end of the game, you go like, okay, who has the most twos? Who has the most threes? So on. And the person who has the most of those gets that amount of points. So oh. if you have the most twelves, you get twelve points. They really like, they didn't just double down on this concept. They tripled down on it, didn't they? That's... Yeah. So you need to find a balance between keeping enough low cards that you can score 
yeah. the days and keeping enough high cards that you can actually score some reasonable points. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's a good push and pull there. I like that. Mm. I don't, know, I don't know whether I'm just less tired right now. I'm quite tired. But uh, I understood it better from that explanation than from the other day. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's um, it's worth trying out. I was very surprised. It's okay. really good. Yeah, you'll have to... Um, well, of course, we can't play it until Christmas now. So, uh, you know, we'll have to wait. Um, I do not care. <laughs> the, the theme is not that, that integral, despite there being a Santa and Miss, Mrs. Santa card in it. But, well, sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, so, it sounds like they had a like a numerical... It's an Amer- yeah, and then you just themed it for Christmas, yeah. Yeah, why not? I mean, makes sense. Okay, uh, I don't think I have played any other board games particularly, oh. uh, so I'm, I'm struggling to remember. I mean, I've, I've played Terraforming Mars about three or four times. I've last played year. a lot, but I always play a lot of board games. Yeah, we played a bunch of um, the Lord of the Rings game. Oh, the, uh, the journey the through Middle you, Earth. You bought that at, yes. uh, at uh, the Games Expo last year, didn't you? I yes. Think we we talked about yes. your initial. Ah, uh, very good. We played. I mean, we went to Denmark and played with a friend, and I think we played like six or seven games in a row. Oh blimey! Okay. Um. Well, some of them were quite short. Yeah. They still hold up. Yeah. Cool. Um, the games are different because it's it's run by the app, so that that seems interesting. Um. It's sort of like um, Mansion of Madness, um, but yeah. obviously Lord of the Rings themed. Yeah, so it's a sort of not not quite a dungeon crawl, but a yeah, crawl. And, and and they're well, yeah, and then some of them are like uh, there's a couple of investigation scenarios and mm-hmm. stuff where you just have to walk around and talk to people. Okay, and it's good, interesting. I'm glad it held up. Yeah, yeah me too. Since it, I mean, it's not cheap, but it's it's not it's not hugely expensive. But I mean, lots of board games these days, you, you end up paying quite a sizable amount of money for it. Yeah. I, I think these app-driven games are interesting. It, it makes things like Mansions of Madness playable. Work. Yes. I, I wonder if maybe at some point we discuss a little bit more in depth because what happens when the app goes away? The, the game dies. You can't play it. Yeah. And it's... So, at some point... Cause the, fact, the fact that it's run by Asper <coughs> Day yeah, makes that a time. bit easier. But if you think about, oh, I mean, that's something to talk about. Like big companies can do it, smaller ones can't. Yeah. That's an investment developing an app. But every app you have in, in an app store or the, uh, mm-hmm. Google Play or whatever, it, you don't finish working on it and it just sits there because every new device that comes out, every new version of Android and iOS, it has the potential it's on to Steam has the potential to which break is interesting. Things. It being on Steam is interesting because if you think about it, like you could you introduce potential bugs all the time. So you're having the maintenance mm-hmm. cost of yeah. just having that app out there. Having it on Steam means that people can always emulate it at some point, I guess, or yeah. play it on uh, older hardware if newer hardware breaks mm. it in some way that you that's unforeseeable. Anyway, I just yeah, yeah. just thought that was a interesting thing, and certainly smaller companies just can't. And there's there's some guy on the. Uh, on the Bushido Facebook group, who was like, "Oh, why don't they just take this app that someone else did and uh, and reinvigorate it?" It's like, because actually, apps are super expensive, yeah, uh, to maintain. And uh, the guy who had written that one, you know, sort of didn't really have the time or inclination to, to, to maintain to keep maintaining it, anymore, it, yeah, let alone expand it. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's it's not it's not a free thing to have. No, no, not at all. Uh, okay, so. I think we've got one more tabletop thing to talk about. Uh, I've left it to last because it's the biggest one and, you know, 
we talk about Bushido a lot on this podcast. Well, it's we play it a lot. We play it a lot. I'm involved in the development of it and stuff. So, like the reason it's on here. So Bushido Risen Sun I played a few games this last year. This uh-huh. is probably the thing I played uh, most because yeah. we were doing a lot of testing. Yeah, we did a bunch of play testing, and you just played. I mean, I played it yesterday. Sure. Yeah. For me, it's on this list not just because I played it a lot, but because it's the first release of a a miniatures game like this, not a board game, yeah. that I've been much more involved with. So I was involved in some testing. Yeah. I was very peripherally involved in involved in some of the rules yeah. uh, writing, some of the streamlining decisions made. The <laughs> some of them have worked out, some of them less so. Yeah. Uh, like I did the uh, the card design. For the yeah. uh, for the new profile cards because it was really important that they were visually different from the last ones so that people can, can, can tell very quickly see yeah. they've got the new cards. Also, because of the way the the edition was rewritten, some some cards ended up with a lot more information on them than they used to have. Yeah. So I mean, some oh, was it Ashinaga Tanaga? Yeah. He's a knob. Four different weapons. Oh, Yay! Yeah. So uh, I know that not everyone has been entirely thrilled with. Uh, with the cards, uh, but like welcome dis- to any card release I've seen for any game ever. Exactly, design is about limitations. Uh, if 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 we could have made them all tarot cards, then you know we could have fitted like everything. Everything would have been bigger. Everything would have been like, able yeah. to have more character. But like, just you've you've got limitations. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's on here because like first time I've done that thing in for a game that's been released. Um, Interestingly, it's not actually the first time I've done it. Oh, card design. No, no, I, I didn't do card design, but I, I did... Uh, well, you did loads of... Uh, I did loads of playtesting for uh, Malifaux 2nd edition. edition. Yeah. Yeah, this, this is the first time I've done playtesting for a, uh, a new edition as well, definitely. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a very it's, different experience because... Oh, it, it is. For a long time, almost the entirety of last year, I was thinking about a different edition to the one that was being discussed in the Facebook group. Yeah. Which was weird. Uh, yeah, it's very strange. And, and when you play test, because we still occasionally play test new releases that are, or upcoming releases. Yeah. Uh, and and you, when, when you start then preparing for a tournament, so Solar War Gamers is running a tournament in Portsmouth in the UK uh, in April. April. I think it's the 5th. Uh, yes, I think so. Please come. I, the, the, I have the, paint all over my hands. From the the, the, the first Sunday. Yes. Uh, so when we play in that tournament, we play with the current meta, whatever that may be. Yeah. We like play with the current released yeah. profiles. But now I'm like, is that thing that I was playtesting, is that going to be out by then? Well, the answer is actually no. Well, I know it's not. Well, the thing there, I really want to use is definitely not out. No, exactly. Uh, so it's a really weird thing, playtesting something, because you, you're playing a different game to everyone else who's not playtesting. Yes, and sometimes it makes it hard to comment on stuff, because you're like, oh, if I could do this, oh, I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, like there's there's a special card that I really want to use that I know is coming out. But it's not going to be out. But it's not going to be out in time for that tournament. It will be out in time for the Masters, which is going to be at the UK Games Expo yes. on the Saturday uh, which, in June, which... I believe. No, May. Not June? May. Last weekend of May. Oh wow, it's early this year. People should come to that as well. It's more than half the tickets have already gone. Wow, I need to buy a ticket. If you, if I, you... I bought a ticket yesterday because there's 24 spaces. I was ticket number 13. Wow, awesome. If I um, if I don't get a ticket, it's not the end of the world. I'll hang out anyway. Uh, 
But oh no, what was I talking about? I want to take a thing special to that. Yes, yeah. so, so I might I might take it to that. But obviously, yeah, that will be out by then. So yeah, you know, and I mean that's that's playtesting for yeah. any game really. It's just it's just it's, it's been just, it's been interesting. You, you're solving a different puzzle to everyone else, I guess. Is yeah, the, is, is the thing. Um, and obviously, all these games they have new releases so that you can solve more puzzles and the company can earn more money from selling miniatures in order yeah, to yeah. continue creating new puzzles for you. Yeah, Whereas I mean, it's sort of all skirmish miniature games are just a crossword subscription. Sort of. <laughs> I didn't think that through before I said that. I mean. It's not wrong, but it's really not right. <laughs> That's most of what I say, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. No, it, it it's been an interesting. I mean, after the release of the edition, that the disconnect that you mentioned has definitely mm. lessened. Oh, because sorry. there was there definitely was a period where all we were doing were playtesting profiles for the new edition, but none of it was public. Yeah. Yeah. I. So I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to the the next the next year of Bushido. I'm looking forward to our little tournament uh, in uh, April, April and then the Masters yeah. at the end of May. Uh, I there's I know there's like there's some really cool stuff coming out this year. I know that I can say that like there's a bunch more Minamoto stuff coming out. So people who uh, want to expand their Minamoto, which would be good to see. Yeah, well, it means that I can actually use one of their themes. Uh, yeah, that'd be helpful. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so there's some really cool stuff coming for them. There's other stuff that's coming out mm. that, that is different to what Bushido has done before mm. uh, and they are also looking at ways of moving the narrative forward so yeah. I, I think it's going to be a really exciting year and after the release being so successful that basically you couldn't get hold of some of the stuff for yeah. a while like they did not expect it to be as, 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 as successful as well as yeah. it did yeah and I, I yeah, I, I'm optimistic about Bushido. I feel it mm. it occupies a niche in the market. There are others occupying the same niche, but it's uh, it's doing reasonably well for itself. Small enough company that it can fly under the radar without getting so big that it, you know, mm. you look at uh, Battlefleet. Uh, no, what am I thinking? Drop Fleet Commander yes. and, and Drop Zone Commander. Like that company got to the point where they they either needed to really staff up. Yeah. Or get bought out, and they got bought out. Yeah, um, and I, I understand that's been pretty positive for them. Uh, this is a whole topic. Oh yeah, this is a completely different thing. Um, I but, think we've had our bubble of small companies creating games, and now you're getting consolidation of other companies buying other yes. companies up, and yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Um, um, and I mean, we'll we'll be talking more. I mean, I more or less have the list. I think I'll be using for both your tournament mm. and for the GT. So we'll be talking about how that performs and what changes I might do to that going forward. Yeah. So actually talking about iterating your tournament list, uh, it's art, 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 oh God, Art Wagner, I want to say, but he might not say it like that because he's American and not German or yeah. Austrian. Uh, but on the Facebook group, he's been putting out uh, like his thought process going through iterating on this, yes. getting ready for Adepticon, uh, which I think is in April. And he yeah, also, I basically thought we should do that. Yeah, he's also he runs a YouTube channel uh, where he I think has covered uh, much of the same stuff as well as loads of like, yeah. all his scenery building and stuff. Go and watch it. Check out Gitsa Palooza. It's great. Um, so yeah, I, yeah. Look, so I've designed a model like 
I designed what it's going to look like and I've designed the rules for it as well. Whether it entirely gets through in that form or not, I don't know. That's a privilege normally reserved for people who win the uh, the Masters tournaments. Yeah. Another good reason to go to the tournament, the Masters tournament. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see if I get to use him in the Masters this year. Oh, that would be fun. Um, that would be great fun. Yeah, and he's a bit different. He doesn't. Nothing like him really exists in the game at the moment. So yeah, I think the, the interesting thing about my list is that it's basically based around a model that I for a very long time didn't even bother buying because I was looking at him and like I don't care. Yeah, but he's a knob. Everyone loves Minato. <laughs> Um, he's, if they're, he's if they're been, a jungle player, he's yeah. been making waves yeah. in, in the local yeah. matter. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, I know, I'm hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it's it's he's been he's been fun to use, which was actually a bit of a surprise to me. Yeah, on because the face I, of it, he on the face dumb. of it, I was like, oh, he walks up the table and hits people. He looks like a not very fast beat stick who can tank a bit. Yeah, and I mean, it's not a wrong description. No, but that anchor. Yeah. Yeah. So we will talk about him. We'll talk about him in a different episode, uh, talking through your list. And I might talk about the brain farts that I'm having at the moment. Yeah. I, I don't even have a germ from which I can then refine anything. Yeah. For the t- I mean, maybe I'll take my brother's uh, list with Bakamono again, or maybe oh, I'll take brother's with not Bakamono. Yeah. Um, yeah, whereas, whereas I've been playing three or four games with this list already. Yeah. Uh, so I want to uh, quickly talk about in relation to Bushido I've been working on the Battlescribe data repositories yes. for probably about a, uh, it might be a year now a while yeah. yes because uh, I, I did it on I did it quietly for a while and then I started opening it up for alpha we're now in beta all the profiles are in there yeah and we have rules for Everything except for the Dissension, uh, Savage Wave, and Cult. Yes. You were kind enough to contribute the Jung rules. Yeah, I, I, I did Jung the other day. Might see if I can get you to do another one as well. Uh, I might. <laughs> um, I, I believe in Cult of Uriah to last because they're the biggest faction. <laughs> and they're also the biggest faction which has the most like unique stuff. Yeah, bastards. Like Prefecture was easy. It's just like, oh, look, it's another samurai. I'll, co- similar to I'll copy samurai. paste this one and do the yeah. one change that's needed. I do now have access to the Excel spreadsheet which has all the rules for all the cards in it. The one that was used to generate the, um, the PDFs yeah. for actually printing the cards. Yeah. So I can copy and paste quite a lot. So that has uh, that will allow me to speed things up. Savage Wave is next. Uh, so people should check that out. It is available at the moment, but bear in mind uh, there may be bugs. Please test it for me. I can't fix them unless I know about them. Uh, there are a couple of things it can't do. It can't check for, have you given taunt to the most expensive model in your Jung Warband? Yeah. But, I mean, I can see a way I could do that. It is not scalable. It basically would have to be loads and loads of checks for, is have you got this other model in which costs more than yeah. the model? It's, it just would not work. Um, um, it would take me the rest of this year to actually put that in. At, at that point, it seems easier to uh, just have it go like, you need to have done this. Have you done it? Yeah. It's up to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually just put a note in on the taunt rule yeah. which, or on the taunt card itself, yeah. which is just like, figure that out. Yeah. You will notice if you have a look at the uh, repository that the you can select the Shiho clan. Exciting. Yes. Uh, if you do, you will find there are no profiles. Uh, there's a theme card because that was, uh, I assume that was leaked 
on the wiki, the Bushido wiki. You should also check that out. Uh, thanks to the guys who do that. Uh, it's pretty awesome. Uh, it's been really useful for me doing the uh, the Batscribe yeah. stuff. But uh, you can you can still create a Shiho list just of Ronin. Yeah. And they have some access to some interesting uh, stuff. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's that. I... It's taken a lot of time that battle scribe file. Yeah, I mean, um, I I've, I did Jung, and it's it's not a that big of a faction. Yeah, um, and that still took me a morning. Yeah, I I can I can knock out an entire faction's rules probably in about three or four hours. Yeah, copy and pasting probably maybe shave an hour off of that. Yeah, uh, it is time consuming. Um, at some point. Uh, well, I think at some point we might introduce like a, a tip jar or something. I don't think yeah. we're going to try and do a Patreon. I don't think I have enough time to devote to this project for it to be a Patreon at the moment. No. Uh, well, we can discuss that. But yeah. just to, because there are costs associated with the uh, the podcast hosting yeah. it. Uh, so, yeah, we, we might do something like that. I'd be interested to see what people's thoughts are if they're willing to chuck us a a pound or a dollar here and there just so we can cover our hosting costs and so on. Yeah. Uh, or maybe even buy microphones. That would be fun. Yeah, that seems organised and stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, this recorder that we're recording on, which is pretty uh, handy, I don't know, 150 quid or something like that. Yeah. So it's done us pretty proud, but oh, it would be nice to have proper microphones. and. Yeah, you, you could do a proper setup. Yeah, so... Um, have a look out for that. I, I want to gauge interest a little bit. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe people want us to do like more Bushido content, and maybe at that point we talk about being a Patreon because yeah, if there's money coming in, then I can devote time that I would otherwise be putting into one aspect of my business. Yeah, to recording podcasts. Yeah, um, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, I think we should take a break, get a drink. And then come back and uh, we've both got a couple of video games we're going to touch on quickly. Yeah. And then that's going to wrap it. Okay, so let's uh, quickly talk about some computer games which stood out to us over the last year or so. So I you know, I had my, my wife gave birth to our son in uh, late 2018. So uh, I sort of didn't play any video games for a little bit. And then played a lot of video games uh, with him asleep on my chest while my wife went and got what sleep she could before he woke up needing a feed at like 10.30 at night. Uh, so I played a lot of video games then. One of them which doesn't qualify for this list is uh, Ori and the Blind Forest, which I think I've talked about on a previous podcast. I think you have. That's great. And there's a new one coming out this year. Uh, so I'm going to talk about stuff that I finally got the chance to play. But first, I'm just going to mention Rocket League because I just I keep coming back to Rocket League. It's the only online competitive thing I ever really play. I did try a little bit of... Uh, oh, God. What's the Respawn uh, game that they did? It's a Battle Royale. Uh, uh, Apex Legend. Apex Legends. I did play that when it first came out, but... Uh, yeah, Rocket League. I just, I just, I bloody love Rocket League. The the community can either be really lovely or absolute bastards. Like you miss one hit on the ball and someone just starts insulting you in whatever just, way they can. Or just randomly leaves the game. 
Or just randomly leave the game. Yeah, I give bad feedback on that game so often. You can't give good feedback, which I feel is like a, a greater problem with, with online games. Yeah. You should be able to go, that person was not, not a dick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I love that game. You play Rocket League. Like, you know when you play football games I, on what, the computer? What, what you should go and do is you should go and watch some of the really good players played on YouTube. Oh, it's a different game. It's different it, game. it looks amazing. Yeah. And then you should try it and then realise that you have no idea how they do that. But see, so I feel like there's there's three sort of tiers with Rocket League. You've got the tier at the bottom, which is like you just start playing, you know, maybe. Uh, hopefully you move out of this tier quite quickly. But it's essentially like, I just want to hit the ball. There's a lot of really good And I'll feel great when I do hit the ball. Yeah, there are. The top end is like the pro league. They barely touch the floor. They're moving it, so it, quickly, you just cannot It's definitely up. a different game. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're flying all over the place. The middle ground is where I love it. Because... If you play a, a football game or a soccer game on, yeah. on a console or whatever, you're not actually. It has no parallels to actually playing a sport. Mm. You know, you're playing. You're pulling some strings, and it looks a bit like football or whatever. Playing Rocket League, you you really have to think about like your positioning, how you're going to get back into position, your positioning of your of your teammate, and where your opponents mm. are, and how you can counter attack. Whilst also having to work on the specific skills of aerials, yeah, actually uh, hitting the damn yeah. ball, uh, it it it's got so many parallels to like an actual sport. Um, I I I absolutely love it. You can knock a game out in probably like it's meant to be five minutes, but the clock gets stopped. So let's say seven to ten yeah. minutes per game. Um, I yeah. just yeah, it's very difficult for me to just play one game. I. I'd have to get back to practicing it before I want to play that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it takes always takes me a little while to get back into it. I've been playing it since it came out, but I, I have six months off at a time, yeah. and then I play it sort of obsessively for a, a couple of weeks. I had like a year off this time, of course. But anyway, yeah. So Rocket League. Yeah. It's great. I've talked yeah. about it before. Oh, your games. Disco Elysium. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. I haven't played it very much. Um, I've heard a lot about it in the Game of the Year podcast that I listen to. It, it, it is very good. It's really uh-huh. interesting. The, it, it, it's an RPG, basically. You it's an RPG which essentially, there's no combat mechanics in it. You can not, have not some really. conflict. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a, few, a few things. But yeah, um, it's really interesting. The skills and the way the dialogue, like, it's, it's all really cool. It feels sluggish to me, which is why yeah. I haven't played it very I've much. I've heard that criticism. The... So, okay, so the places I've heard a lot about it, um, Ben Pack over at Giant Bomb talked a lot about it in his Game of the Year mm. thing. Like, it had some really fundamental, like, emotive stuff. Oh, it's it amazing. Yeah, it does really good stuff. And then over at Waypoint, they also talk, uh, or Vice Games, whatever they are now, um, they talk about a lot about it. One of the things that they really focused in on is not just the variety, like, the, the, the amount of different things that can happen, but... There are almost no fail state roles in the game. So maybe you need to persuade someone that mm. a certain action is a good idea. You make your role because it's an RPG. If you fail that role, it doesn't necessarily kill that plot line. It's just you failed that, now the plot line moves forward. Although, hilariously, you can actually kill your character on the very first action in the game. Yes, yeah, I have heard about that. Which I did. Mm. Good. Um, it's yeah. funny. If um, you wake up with a massive hangover, there's two different ways you can kill yourself immediately. <laughs> I mean, it requires you to have an endurance of one, so you only have one hit point. Yeah. Uh, you can turn on the lights, or you can try and get your tie. 
Yeah. And either of them will kill you. <laughs> it was an interesting thing for me because you you hear about RPGs in the Bethesda vein or the mm. like the Fallout vein, you know, whatever. You, where, Bethesda. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to be more specific. Yes. Uh, where there's lots of pass fail stuff, and if you fail, that's basically you can't do it. that thing. Yeah. Or it goes, oh, you failed that persuasion. Gunfight. Yeah. And uh, of course, there was the Outer Worlds game, which is which I want very, to play, but I haven't. Uh, yeah, uh, I've heard a bunch of stuff about it. I'm not going to go into it now. But the idea that it would be possible to have these tests that aren't fail states—they're just in your story. That yeah. thing didn't work. You may find a different way to deal with it in the future. Yeah, um, that was really fascinating to yeah. me. I'm never going to play it, but fascinating. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, yeah, I guess you'll get back to that. I have heard the movements yeah. a bit sluggish. Yeah, the, the whole game just feels a bit slow, yeah. and I, I don't, I don't mean that the story is slow. Every like the game just feels slow. Yeah, which is a shame. But yeah, maybe that's just sort of part of that lack of combat. Maybe maybe and, and warp yeah. speed. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> combination I mean, of the it, two. It's, it's fine. I mean, the, the other game, the, the game I've been playing a lot, uh, it's not slow. Borderlands 3. Yes. I've talked about it before. That's yeah. a bunch of technical issues. Yeah. It's somewhat fixed, but not really. Which is a little, little bit annoying. Yeah, so the split screen stuff was a real bummer, wasn't it? Because that's basically why you bought it. Yes. So, I mean, we have played a split screen. We played the first expansion as well. First okay. expansion is great. Okay. Um, the th- like, we really like the theme and the art style and the humour. Okay. Um, you don't. I, look, it's not sold itself to me. Right. I remember when the first Borderlands came out and I played it, I was at some expo or other, yeah. and I just didn't like the way it felt. I quite like the art style. It, yeah. was, it was novel back then. I think it's less novel now, but it's cons- it has to be consistent. Yeah, yeah. Within that's, the that's the way it looks. Yeah. Um, and I think a couple of times the humour's been good. It's, it, it seems, from what I've seen, Borderlands 3 humour is a lot better than... Uh, I think Borderlands 2 got a little bit memey. A bit, uh, a, a bit internet. Some very few things. Well, I mean, Borderlands Three, I like the 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 bad guys are streamers. Yeah, they're influencers, aren't they? Basically, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it almost feels like that's a sort of commentary, which maybe is a couple of years too late. Like, don't get me wrong, that's still an ongoing thing. It yeah. just might not be the like you know yeah. surprise you'd expect. A- anyway, um, we've enjoyed it. Good. Looking forward to the next expansion whenever that comes. There's a bunch of things I would like them to do with it, but uh, I'll play it occasionally. Yeah, we'll play it again when the next expansion's up. Cool. I mean, you, you basically you, you've completed it um, several times. Got, oh right, okay. I was going to say you platinumed it and all that sort of stuff. No, 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 no. I I remember seeing you trying to jump into hard to reach places for yeah, a while. No, there's basically there's one one achievement I'm missing. Which I'm not sure I can be bothered to get. Yeah. That's like a shooting gallery on okay. the ship you have, and you need to hit all of them, and it's a pain in the ass to try and do. Okay. And I'm not sure I can be bothered. Ah, fair enough. Achievements don't mean anything, no. really. Like, so I've done I mean, it unless you choose for them to be a I've, game I've, in themselves. I've done everything else. <clears throat> so I mean, I could do that, but do I want to spend a bunch of time trying to get that done? The answer to that is no. It's not fun. <laughs> I still have Red Dead Redemption Two sitting in cellophane at home. Oh. At some point, I need to play that. Probably. You talk about slow games. Yeah, I know. I played the first one a bit. I look, yeah. I loved the first one at the time. Um, this yeah. one, though, like, I've looked it up on howlongtobeat.com or yeah. whatever it is, and 
I think like I might be able to knock it out in 50 hours if I mainline it. So I don't really like westerns. Oh, okay. See, I do. I do like westerns. The thing I don't like is uh, gangster shit. For some reason, it just doesn't appeal to me. I don't abhor it. You just don't. You're just not interested. Yeah. So people are like, "Oh, like the Godfather. It's amazing." I'm like, it's "Really dull. It it just doesn't interest me. All that gangster shit." Uh, of course, when I was in school, everyone was like, "Oh, Scarface," because you know it had some quotable stuff. Mm. In it. But yeah, just never got it. Anyway, yeah. that's a digression. We don't have much time to go through this, so we need to crack on. It's not that. You have another couple of games. Yeah. So uh, I lost. The most hours in this last year to a game which has been out for a little while called Subnautica. Yeah. So it's essentially an exploration, survival, and crafting game where you're in a scuba diving suit. Seems good. And it has a narrative, and actually the story story's decent enough. And the story was a sort of a late addition to the game. It was in early access for a long time. So uh, some base building in it and so on. But the thing that works so well I'm someone who does not like to be in water when I can't see the bottom of it yeah I'm not a big fan either it freaks me the fuck out so Subnautica sort of tapped into some of that so I had this this com- these two combating feelings of like the desire to explore and expand my base and my abilities with also like this sort of quite visceral terror of, of the deep mm. But of course, what it does is it says, you start the game and it goes, you don't have any breathing apparatus. You literally are going to have to hold your breath. So you can dive like 10 metres down. You're like, oh, fuck, I'm going to grab that bit of copper. And then I'm going to fly, like swim back up to the surface at at first. Like that's where you are. By the end of the game, you are kilometres below the surface in like cave networks and stuff. And it's the way incrementally you go deeper. But if every time you explore further, it's risk-reward. Can you swim back to the, the, the top, back to the surface, before your oxygen tank runs out? Yeah. Oh, you've got a mini one-person submarine now. That's great. But maybe you're going to get attacked by things. And you know, will yeah. your armour hold out? Uh, will your battery hold out? So like you, you, you pilot it back to the surface, battery runs out, you, and then the oxygen starts ticking down. Yeah. So you have to get out of it, and then you have to swim. To the, and... All of that stuff is fantastic, and the game does a, an excellent job of going. Hey, you should uh, you should go over there, and uh, while you're over there, you're probably going to look down because you're on the surface. Yeah. You look down sometimes because that's where resources are, yeah. and you'll be like swimming along. Oh, there's the seabed, and then like drop off through sinkholes where you yeah. see some like glowing mushrooms and stuff like that beyond. And you're like, oh, I want to go down, but I can't get far yeah. enough. It's fantastic. And it's made all the better by there being no combat. Mm-hmm. Not really. You do have a knife, usually used for harvesting the, yeah. uh, things from you know plants and so on. And you can defend yourself. You are able to kill things which attack you. Everything in the game is killable, uh, but you get no reward for killing it unless it is one of the few fish which are uh, like actual food yeah. stuffs because you need to eat and you need to drink water. Yeah. Need to desave it when they yeah, yeah. water and so on. Um, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I bought the the second one, but I haven't played it yet. I just I know I will when it's out of uh, early access. So that was awesome. Uh, another game I, I did actually end up playing this year, well, this last year, twenty nineteen, 
and I talked about it on an earlier podcast, is Hollow Knight. Mm. I've not played any of the Dark Souls games or Dean Souls or Bloodborne mm. or Sekiro, any of those. But it is essentially if you took that took that Dark Souls lens and applied it to a Metroidvania type game. Mm. So you're getting abilities which give you access to different parts of the map and stuff. So it's a 2D, very fighting oriented exploration Metroid with a Dark Souls edge mm. uh, I loved it I put like 60 hours into it it's fantastic the story is cool the setting is like dark and sort of almost like hopeless but there is there is some like yeah it's really cool people should check that out I talked about it before loads of other people have talked about it elsewhere so that's mm. cool there's a sequel a prequel maybe I, I can't remember coming out yeah. I'm probably not going to have time to play it <laughs> uh, it's a very frustrating game. How I didn't wake my son up by swearing at the television, mm. I don't know. So the only other game is Ashen, which is basically a Dark Souls game. I played it. I'm, I'm now playing it, so it's after Hollow Knight. Yeah. Still haven't played a Dark Souls game, but it is what if Dark Souls, but maybe not quite as brutal and not as gothic. It has a really interesting art style. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so if people are sort of interested in that... that mm that type of game but maybe you're put off by Dark Souls and so on I reckon they should check that yeah. out I mean I bought the PS4 to play Bloodborne but I still haven't got round to that maybe, <laughs> maybe one day I will well I mean it's it's not quite been replaced yet I'd basically pick it up for a tenner at the moment I think um, and I'd love to play Sekiro because obviously I love Japanese you know, yeah. feudal stuff uh, and that sure is what that is so um, so yeah, yeah I, I highly recommend all the games that I've talked about I mean, I'm I'm currently playing. I'm back to playing Path of Exile. Yeah, you were saying about that um, off mic. I I like Path of Exile, but it's. Do you like inventory management? Uh, That's a lot of it. I quite liked the inventory management in uh, Resident Evil Four, like the almost Tetris situation yeah. that you had going on. No, yeah, no, it's just that like there is a lot of loot, and you need to optimize and work out which bits you need to use. There's a giant skill tree. That you need to work out where you want to go with that. Yeah. Uh, I'm basically copying other people's builds because I don't play it enough to be able to look at it and go like, "Oh, here's where I want to put my hundred skill points." Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, that's just not going to happen for me. So but you're enjoying the loop of the game. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, I've co- I've completed it for the first time, all ten chapters and the epilogue and stuff. Oh, okay. So it's the first time I've actually gotten to the end game. Cool. Um, so I started a new character instead. Yeah. Oh, of course, you you do that though. You go through a game a few times. Like, oh yeah, I know that you got the platinum on Horizon Zero Dawn, for instance. Yes, I've finished that like four or five times. I don't know like if that. I finished that in twenty nineteen or twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen, I think. Yeah, if I finished it in twenty nineteen, would have been on my list. Yeah, it's great. A lot of yeah. the a lot of the stuff is busy work. There's a lot of like oh yeah, Ubisoft open world tower bullshit going on. Yeah. Uh, I should be getting the Kickstarter soonish. Oh yeah, yeah, the board game, which would be interesting. I thought that game had a really cool story. I think mm. it was just not quite what you expected it to be. No, but was was interesting. It had a real like human angle on stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah really enjoyed that. Um, um, I mean, we basically bought the Kickstarter because we liked the game and we wanted some of the models. Yeah, there might be a game attached to it as well. We might even play it. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Something I hadn't realised until just now, but there is a 
there is some parallel between Horizon Zero Dawn's. Um... No, spoilers for either one thing or the other thing I was going to talk about, so I'm not going to talk about it. Okay. I'll leave that there. I'll talk about it off mic. Yes. Um, how much time have we got? Do we have enough time to just quickly talk about what we're looking forward to in the no. next year? Okay. <laughs> it's the answer to that. We'll we'll do that as a, as a gonna, sh- short thing later, I think. I'm just going to list them. Yeah. We're going to play The King's Dilemma, which is yeah. a... Uh, legacy game. It's a legacy game about a kingdom. Uh, yeah. And you're advising a king, I think. Yeah. Uh, my, you're basically making choices for him. Yeah. My Moonstone turned up just before Christmas. Very kind of them to get it before it counted towards my acquired miniatures for the year, so yeah. I don't have to worry about painting them. Um, <laughs> but I will paint them. And uh, yeah. Uh, then I'm looking forward to Bushido events. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. You're looking forward to Malifaux 3rd uh, edition. Yes, I bought... Some things. I bought another Colette crew. I yep. now have three. Cool. <laughs> uh, and that's basically it. I think yep. we're going to do some role playing with Paul at some point. Yeah, that's that's the plan. That's the hope. Um, I haven't done role playing in like ten years. It would be fun. Yeah. Cool. So we'll talk about all of these things later. Yeah, this will come out before the interview that we did with Jason about new Bushido release. Cool. Um, so yeah, happy uh, New Year, everyone. Bit late. A little bit. That's fine. Thanks for listening. Chinese New Year. Yeah, that. <laughs> it's what makes your Kickstarters late. <laughs> yeah, 2020. Yeah. It's going to be great as long as you don't care about politics yes. or you know, the environment. Yes. Find Robot Dice Explosion at robotdiceexplosion.com, at rde underscore podcast at Twitter, and Robot Dice Explosion on Facebook.